The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. Today's guest is Michael Hocklander of Caribe Producers. Before we dig into this awesome little company, we want to learn more about Michael, the person. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Now, tell me a little bit about Michael Hocklander, the person. Born and raised, where were you from, that kind of stuff. I'm from Dearborn, Michigan. Spent a lot of time, most of my uh, life, in Kansas City, Missouri. And so, from Kansas City, I moved to Arkansas, where I began working in Walmart retail. And we're going to dig in about Walmart retail in a little bit. I can't wait to learn because I know that's got some, that's got some stories. But uh, oh, yeah. we're very familiar with Dearborn, Michigan. I am normally based in Cleveland, Ohio. Right now I'm at the, uh, the College World Series on location, I might add, working, if you want to ask my accountant. But um, at the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. So if you've been in Kansas, Kansas City, Kansas, this whole area out here, I know you're familiar with Omaha. Oh yeah, Omaha's got a double a triple A Royals team. So yes, absolutely. Yep. yep. Exactly. And they're and they're just everything here is is either Royals or college. So it's definitely <laughs> a, a Royals area, that's for sure. So tell me about Dearborn. I mean, we we as kids and family always go up into Dearborn, Michigan and the, the Henry Ford and that kind of stuff. How long ago was it that you'd moved away? I, w- I was just a, uh, a little kid and uh, lived there for five years. I was born there and lived there for five years. And uh, my parents uh, got transferred to Kansas City, and that's where I began school. Yep. So I uh, don't have yep. too many memories of Dearborn, but I had spent some summers there with family and friends. So, yes, enjoy that place. Yeah, it's it's kind of come a it's really had a resurgence here lately. I mean, obviously, just anything related to the automotive industry um, was really really hurt back in the oh seven oh eight that kind of stuff. But Dearborn mm-hmm. has just really kind of marched its way through it, and it's just um, it's good to see. If you get a chance to go back for any of our listeners, Dearborn, Michigan, and that whole Detroit area is just a is just a great vibrant city that's really coming back to life. Hmm. Yeah. So let's find out a little bit more about yourself. Married, kids, tell us a little bit more. I'm going to celebrate 25 years this December, and I have three wonderful kids, 21, 18, and 17. So life is fun with adults, like kid adults, because, you know, I raise my kids as adults, not just kids. 
So I, I, right. I raised them to show them about business. I involved them in the business so they know about hard work. Uh, never gave my kids an allowance. I, I, gave them, I gave them money for grades. Like if they made an A, nice. I'd pay them for an A. Uh, right. If they made straight A's, I would double it because that's what hard work is. I, I had exactly. allowance as a kid, and the allowance was like, okay, I would like go to my father and get that couple bucks every Saturday if I did the right. work or not. So I like to show uh, that my kids need to do the work, and it's not me being the subjective person giving the grade. It's somebody else. It's a system, and we're all we all are kind of a slave to that system. How good? No is your kidding. Uh, here it is. Yeah, that's well put. <laughs> I too, we didn't. We we you know the allowance was kind of like one of those things that was a given, and it's like wait a minute, not with our kids. Uh, you, you ha- hard work grades. I love it because that's actually a good mm-hmm. reminder for. Yeah, for all of or us, the you, you reward the, the excellence. Yeah. So tell us a little bit of what you guys like to do for fun. And by the way, for folks, for, for those new listeners, we usually spend about 10 minutes at the beginning of the show, get to learn a little bit more about the guest um, personally, but of course we dig into his business. So you went to John Brown University. Tell us a little bit about that and, and, and why you chose John Brown, which is a, you know, a, a private uh, Christian liberal arts college. Um, deep in the heart of Arkansas. So tell us a little bit That's about right. John Brown. The communications department at John Brown was oh, by far um, one that in, made my decision. I mean, it was one of those departments that was small enough and I had access to professors and, and gear and, and opportunities that I could not have seen in some of the state schools that my, my fellow uh, friends w- went to. Some of those right. state schools would, would look, wouldn't allow you because there's so many students and at John Brown I had a pretty small ratio of, of student to professor and student to gear. So I, I saw that as an opportunity for me. Uh, also, I kind of wanted to get away from uh, the um, large city. I had friends go to yep. um, KU and MU and Columbia and Lawrence, Kansas, respectively. And I found that uh, the small town in Arkansas was just the right fit for me. I was an introvert going into college. And I turned out to be a pretty, pretty large extrovert, thanks to that communications <laughs> degree. Yeah, yeah. For it real. kind of forced really it. It forces that. you. I know it's, it sounds strange, but it definitely forces you to kind of obviously communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now, tell that, us a little about that. that. Were you were you looking, or the angle at that particular point? Were you looking to kind of get on air, if you will? Were you looking to be Absolutely. in front of people? And what was that? What was the plan? Absolutely. I had I had targeted radio and television as part of a, a way to um, exercise my degree in communications. And, and I followed radio through college because it was easy for me to get radio jobs. But right. as tech, as, as that industry changed, morning drive meant, uh, you know, announcers were getting, uh, were commanding great pay rates and then also markets. So I wasn't finding myself in large markets. Uh, like, you know, Silom Springs, Arkansas. Uh, but, uh, it, so I, but I did go back to Kansas City and worked on a country station in Kansas City for a season and then just didn't work out for me. Um, and that's okay. So I went more into the producing, uh, aspects of radio and television and live events. And from that, I started launching launching product demos and product launches and becoming very, very involved with retail and doing marketing video and, and social media and, and spots, just lots of spots, lots of ads, lots of TV, radio, and print. 
So I would say my and that's a that's my, a good but that's a good lead in over to the to the Walmart piece of uh, time with you. Was, was that more of when you were with Walmart with the demos and things, or is that kind of a totally separate? world before you really got to Walmart doing the demos and the product, uh, you know, no, it was products, et cetera. Definitely with Walmart. Yes. I, when I, uh, when I got my communications degree, I, uh, it was three or four months later, I got hired on and began working with Walmart in their marketing department and started producing different spots and different things for different initiatives that the Walmart uh, actually, first would be to the Walmart family internal. We would do these promotional demos. People had their VIP items, and we were doing um, internal campaigns to help the associate level learn about a product and then for them to get excited about a product. Because a lot of times what would happen is that a district manager or vice president would have a very important item, a VIP item, and then they would... Uh, in turn, sell that idea, that VIP item, to store-level associates. And then store-level associates said, that's my item. That's my VIP item. And they uh, would back that item based on, nice. on video or a promotion that we did um, through through the closed-circuit Walmart television network. <laughs> that is pretty cool. I had no idea that they even did that. It works out because the associates are at ground level. They're with the customers. So they're going, to be, be. they're going to be excited yeah. and proud of an item. And again, that you know, a lot of times, you know, Walmart is that is, is truly that nine hundred pound gorilla that people tend to or reach other retailers, to, you know, talk. I won't say talk down of, but they're the, the big the big Kahuna. But I, all of my experience, whether it's directly or indirectly, with clients that are that are on the store shelves of Walmart. Uh, or trying to get on the store shelves, they they have said one thing, and that's fair. That company is fair. Would you agree? Is that a fair statement? They've always they've treated people fairly. They they you know again they pay their bills on time. They they order in massive quantities, of course, but they've always been known to be fair. Is that is that a fair statement? I would say I would say so. That being being fair and and having the customer in mind, you, you're not right. going to be able to go in there and think that you're all of this. You're, 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 you're the, your product is better than anybody else's. They're going to have right. a couple different SKUs that are similar in nature and let the customer decide. So they make the customer the boss. So when, they, when you come in with your item, they want to be fair and give you the same amount of space or uh, situated on the right corner. And right. that yeah, I would say fair in that regard, but whenever it comes to um, that 900-pound gorilla aspect, yeah, they can they can demand some things to get the lower price for the customer. Oh, yeah. That's oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> hey, Michael, it's time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, we really want to dig into Bay producers and focus on some of the cool products that you're launching and, and the really cool stories behind them. So, folks, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with our friend, Michael Hocklander. Stay tuned. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you would like more information about our program, send David an email to David at StandUpPouches.net. That's David at StandUpPouches.net. Now back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back to Ditch the Box. From location in Omaha, Nebraska, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with our friend Michael Hocklander from Caribe Producers. Let me tell you a little bit more about Caribe Producers. In 2007, Michael started Caribe LLC, a production company servicing retail, nonprofit associations, and travel agencies for marketing through media and live events. In 2014, Caribe partnered with JR Global to launch a private label of consumables. The successful placement of a private label jerky in the mini bars at Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas prompted a look into the jerky category for national distribution into retail. On November 1, 2015, Caribe selected and licensed the brand, the legendary Hatfield & McCoy family brands, to launch a line of jerky for national distribution. Spicy Revenge and Black Powder Jerky debuted on May 24th at the 2016 Sweets and Snacks Expo in Chicago, Illinois. Caribe producers won the Top 5 Most Innovative New Products Award in the Salted Snack category at the 2016 Sweets and Snacks Expo for Hatfield McCoy Spicy Revenge Bacon Jerky. It was honored for taste, innovation, and packaging, among hundreds of other new products at the Expo. So, Michael, let's get back to the beginning of Caribe Producers, if yeah. you will. You were starting <laughs> as a production company servicing <laughs> retail and nonprofit, but take us through, you know, what you know where this all kind of came about. Well, being so involved in retail and seeing it from uh, from the side of a promotion standpoint. Every time something came out, I would say, I, I thought of that. I thought of that product. Have you yep. ever been there? Have you, you walked through somewhere yourself, David, and said, that's my idea. Remember, you tell right. your wife, I thought of that a year ago. Right. <laughs> so there's so, so many times, too many times in my life that it's happened, and some, some opportunities came around for me that I just could not pass up and said, look, if I partner with you, I can provide this. And, and my aspect uh, of Caribe Producers was helping on the promotion and launch side. So 
there was these items that were coming down for private label, and it just was a great fit with me and GR Global in order to put that together and get it launched into into the MGM properties. And that, that was my first real um, product that I can say I helped launch and I had ownership in. Because I've launched a lot right. of products, but they were other right. people's products. And I was ready for my product. And so, so, with the so let's category, stay there for a little bit. Because okay. I think it's an important because I because I, I want to make sure that we really kind of dig into this. So you were at Walmart before, and you had seen a lot of stuff back in your day. And like a lot of us, we know when we're working for the the corporate the man, as they all say, right, Michael? Um, mm-hmm. We've all kind of you know said, wait a minute, I can do this, or that's a really cool idea, and I bet you I could do that myself. Is that is that pretty pretty much how they yeah. evolved back at the time? Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just for my background, I kind of sometimes want to say I have a master's in retail because I sat and listened so much uh, right. about how to get a product out there and then to know all the backgrounds of, of the supply chain management and, and the expenses. And, yeah, I kept feeling like I could do this. This is not hard. Right. Had you had other products before? Was there something you were working on before then, or was this, did this all start with the jerky? This this all started with the jerky. Absolutely. It, it this well, first the jerky category has been exploding over the last four years. Right. right. So anybody introducing a, a couple of years ago, people introducing jerky lines were very welcomed because at the point at the time you could name four or five big names: Slim Jims, right, Jack Links, Simlico, okay. or whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's about it. Everything else was kind of boutique, and people made their own jerky, right? Out of their own right. garage, sort of, or kitchen. So when this came sure. along, and we saw the opportunity, and I saw it, I said, I want in. What do you need for me? To... And so I jumped in on this and helped launch this. And uh, it's, it's been the number two selling item right behind Pringles in the mini bars at Mandalay Bay. So if you're in Vegas, you can see this product in your room. That is crazy. And so JR Global, was that something they reached out to you guys? Had you known each other before? Was that something? Tell us a little about about that. Had they come to you? Is, is that something across your desk? What was that about? Yeah, JR Global knew me from some work I had done uh, in, in Guatemala. I had worked with some coffee plantations and just been helping some farmers get some word out about their product on basically online. I have some friends. I have friends in Guatemala and have spent... Um, quite a bit of time down there. And so I was helping produce some videos about their coffee plantation. They're able to get some export through online sourcing. And and so GR Global knew that I was doing that, and they were trying to figure out a way to find a local farmer in Guatemala in order to purchase coffee direct. So I put those guys together. And then I heard about the jerky. Uh, the, the coffee thing never took off, so but the jerky did. So <laughs> when in the right place at the right time, right? Exactly. You know, that's a lot of it sometimes. And just uh, yep. your network of people, because if I wouldn't have spent time in Guatemala, I would not have known Alberto Reyes as, as, a, as a farmer of 700 acres of premium coffee plantation. I mean, that way I could share his information to these guys, and I learned about jerky and jump in on that. So. A little bit about both. <laughs> and you've got, you don't just have jerky. You've got jerky that's that, that's named after this legendary two feuding families, right? I mean, there's a story back behind those guys. So 
share with us a little bit more about the Hatfield and McCoys, because that name in and of itself really conjures up a lot. Yes. Well, 150 years ago, these two guys were in the uh, Civil War. They're both Confederate soldiers, and then they had a little falling out because of some land disputes, and they have been known for a very vicious, bloody feud. And that that is part of our American folklore, and people have been writing about it, and there's been movies made about it, and television series about it. And so just recently, the family, six generations later, got together to build a brand of Hatfield and McCoy whiskey. So <laughs> they have launched, yes, they've launched whiskey, and it's in all, it's in 48 states. And this Hatfield and McCoy brand is becoming pretty popular. And so it was an opportunity for me through the licensing agency to take, take this license and champion it for jerky. They had jerky as a family. So their original recipe is like an Appalachian family tradition called black yep. powder. <laughs> yep. And so we put it together and it's excellent. And I, and, uh, I, it's our, so that's our original in our beef. So the family's involved and this is their name. They named it black powder. This real family. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I can vouch for it. It's spectacular. The bacon is great. <laughs> black powder is phenomenal as well. Yes. Now the bacon, it it that's the one that won the award for best innovative yeah. product at the show. So. Right. Yeah. But let's stay with that for a second because, like you said before, jerky is is one of those things that's just exploding, and you've got you know a, a boatload of jerky companies out there. What is it? Because and I definitely want to dig into the Hatfield McCoys and the families and and, and how you go about that because you've got licensing and things that a lot of people want to learn about, but. But stay sure. with the jerky thing. You guys, how do you go about making sure that whatever you're doing, you stand out, you're different? Yes, of course, the flavors that, that comes without saying, but you still have people, mm-hmm. you need people to try your product. And, and once you do, I think they'll be hooked. But my question is, is how do you, you, know, how do you separate your, yourself from, from the others that are out there? There's, a, there's probably 100 boutique brands out there. And at the show, right. it was very evident that you could walk around and, Everywhere you turn, some people were telling me that, hey, there's another jerky. Right. Well, some of them are big, big names, like they have Tyson backing them, or they have, right. they have a, uh, you know, ConAgra backing them. Well, I don't have those people backing me, what, uh, but what I have is a premium, premium product, and it's sourced from the U.S., and maybe some of these are yep. as well. But I also have the brand name, which stands out over some of the boutique brands. So if you have a premium product, which we do, and we we marinate it 24 hours, we have a proprietary oven technology that that dehydrates and cooks the meat and the bacon, and it just comes out. out. (laughs) It comes out great. And then if you package it right, and that's what we did. We worked with Javelin. uh, It's a graphics artist company out of St. Louis, and Javelin came up with some great looks for packaging. Yep. And, and, and so you, you package that together, and we, and we went with our packaging company. I can mention them, right? Stand-up packaging. Yes, sure. Absolutely. Thanks. <laughs> they have Absolutely. been so great. 
as far as getting getting our art getting our art to the bag um, maker and and back and we load it and I'm, we are so proud of it i mean you got to you got to believe some of the award that was given to us was for packaging it wasn't just taste so there could be other boutique brands out there that taste better maybe i haven't tasted them all right but we got awarded for innovation and packaging and taste and marketability. Well, I think you so, you guys really thought that out so well too, Michael. Is that you know the one thing we try to tell our clients or potential clients, and you guys get it, is that consumers buy with their eyes first, um, and and your packaging is what draws them, and of course the name. But once they've opened the package and tried the product, then they're really sold. But you know, so many people, you know, packaging. If you're not there selling it, or if I'm not there demoing it, or vice versa, whatever it may be, we still have to get them to kind of try your product. And your packaging is the first thing that they see. And props to you guys for taking that extra effort and that time to make sure that you gave it the attention that it deserved. Because so many companies, and I know you've seen this, and I don't care whether it's jerky or potato chips or, or, or trail mix, so many companies think of packaging at the last minute, and then they go, oh, crap, my product's not selling. Yeah, because it's packaged <laughs> in a box with a label that looks like it was done in a garage. And yeah. that's where a lot of companies go, go, you know, lose out on that effect. Would you agree? I would totally agree. In fact, for my private label at Mandalay Bay, it's a, it's a sticker on a black bag. And it's the right. number two seller. Now you go, no, wait wow. a minute. We just talk about right. really incredible packaging. But in this case, I didn't want to go into the retail marketplace with a bag and a sticker because that would have just put me in with the boutique brands. I'm yep. trying and will be a national brand. I will be. This Hatfield yep. McCoy will be a national brand. And to I be that national it. brand, you have to have killer packaging. Right. So we worked hard with stand-up pouches. We even had to throw away some cylinders because we wanted it to be right. Yeah, I paid for some cylinders, and oh, you yeah. helped me to. Yeah, we we got it. We got it right. We have this gold. We I mean, if this package is beautiful with the gold inlay, it, it feels like gold inlay. It just is the way the printer did it, and you guys made it happen. So. But it stands out. And when it's on the wall, and that's what we did too, David. We took, we went to our competitors. We went and bought their, their product, put them on this wall, and put our bag in their mince with those other bags. Okay? And then we stood back, and we walked around it. And I had other people come out. And I asked them to pick out some of the ones that stood out. We got to stand up above the noise. There's a whole bunch of billboards out there in the jungle. But how are you going to see the yep. one that's ours? Right. So we worked really hard on the black and red, the gold. We, I, I can't even tell you which version this is because I lost track. So what it's, we, it, what's exciting is that you're excited about it too because this is what we, we eat and sleep this stuff. And we have a yeah. client like you, Michael, and your team to be able to kind of share in the excitement that your packaging brings to the table makes us incredibly proud to be a part of it, you know? And, and, you know, it's just a really cool fit because you guys get it. You guys understand the power of packaging, what all it can do for your brand. And I agree 100%. It's not a matter of if, it's when uh, you guys become that national brand. And you're, you're well yeah. on your way. Yeah, we are. And we're, we're, we, we talk every day about, um, okay, 
we're taking care of the small guy right now, and we right. are going to focus on everybody as, as a priority. And so that when things get to a huge national level, we won't be, we won't be overwhelmed. We're already feeling this is where we're going to be. So I've ordered this many bags. Okay, well, how many bags do we need now? Okay, so we are looking ahead. We're also using the lead times that we get from, yeah. from our supplier, and we're trying to forecast and prepare so that we are on top of everything, not overwhelmed, because i got yeah. a great team. You guys, stand-up pouches is behind me. We talk a lot. I, the, the meat suppliers are ready. They know that I'm going to be buying several truckloads of beef and bacon. Yeah. <laughs> They're ready. And you also know from experience the way it can be in major retail. If Walmart turns that, that, that dime and says, okay, we're ready, that's not some little regional buy. That's a buy no. you've got to be prepared to, to, to launch and fulfill. Because if you don't, they'll find somebody else. But you guys are ready. They'll find someone else that can fill that space. Exactly. So our team has been focused on that, um, preparing for the Walmart meetings that we, that we have coming up. And we are, we are looking at our forecasts and looking at our schedules and looking at holidays. And sure. we have to even look at, like, holidays overseas. So wow. <laughs> you have to wow. be anticipating Smart. overseas holidays. Right. You need to be over, uh, looking at – it can even become a weather situation, too. We had some sure. – um, a supplier in Texas, they, were, they couldn't make it because of, there were some floods last month. Like, the floods wow. had slowed down trucks. Okay, so they went around, Jeez. but it took extra time. So right, we have we 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 are anticipating a lot of troubleshooting sometimes, you know. But we we want to anticipate that we we can make it to our customer, we can make it to our our client and our customer. Well, and, and it's and that's a good reminder for a lot of our listeners. And, and we've got some some listeners that are mom and pops. We have a lot from the demographics that are mid market. That 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 um, you know Hatfield McCoy just just getting to the next level, really ramping up. And the point you're mentioning a lot of good points. And you're planning ahead. You are looking at the you know that proverbial crystal ball, if you will, and saying, okay, if this happens, and if this happens. And so many people, Michael, and I think you'll agree, so many times they don't, uh, I don't know, rely is the right word, but you need to, people need to count on their suppliers. A lot of times they all kind of, they don't really share with their suppliers. It's one of the things you guys are really good at. If we know, and this is back to our world and the packaging world, if we know that you're trying to make this particular trade show, or if we know you got to make sure that you, you can never run out of this, you know, this jerky packaging for mm-hmm. the bacon flavor, whatever it may be, if, you're, if your supplier knows, they should, if they're a good supplier, bend over backwards to make sure that you're covered. That, to me, and, and it's not something that's out of your pocket cost-wise. It's basically a partnership, because that's truly what you want in a vendor, is that partnership. And if we know going forward that, you know, hey, we can never run out of that product, or, hey, if I get that order with Walmart or Target next month and this thing turns on, i got to hit those dates or I'm SOL. And that's what a partnership brings, and, and, and that's important, a good reminder for all those listeners out there to, to know that it's not it, – it'd be a per, if it was a perfect world, we'd all be millionaires, um, and, 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 but it's not. And we, everybody makes mistakes, and people forget to place orders, and all of a sudden you get last-minute orders. And frankly, it's Johnny on the spot, and when you get that opportunity and you can jump on that, that may be the answer to kind of, you know, just like you guys ran into this opportunity with jerky to begin with. And you guys pounced on that opportunity, and now look at you guys. 
Yeah. Communication is the key with all my suppliers. I mean, right. I, I when I got that award, I called everybody. I told them, you're part of this. You yep. really are. Yep. So yep. we can celebrate together. And so when when we're on that high, let's let's do, let's raise a glass and, and toast. And yep. when we're on that low and I need something right away because some you know, a truck flipped over and all of a sudden I don't exactly. have a product. I, I feel like the suppliers are gonna be on my team. That's and the way it should be. Yeah. So I already partner, feel like I have those in people in line. And I right. feel like the communication that we've had um getting to this point allows those those kind of um, uh, helpers on both sides to make Absolutely. sure everything goes right. Absolutely. Let's stick with the jerky. I'm a bit of a jerky connoisseur to begin with. And, I, and <laughs> the fact that you guys, you know, tell us a little bit, was this a, the partnership with the Hatfield McCoys, had they, and I know that they had their own kind of jerky with the, the black powder and that kind of stuff, but was that something that they shared with their with you their recipes or you guys shared your recipe? How did that kind of come about? to make sure that you had just the right flavor, if you will, or, you know, the, that, that effect that really had them we sign co- off on, okay, this is the supplier Absolutely. for us. We, we collaborated on that. They had a black pepper, they had a black pepper, sort of salty black pepper um, flavor profile. They didn't right. call it a flavor right. profile. They just called it their family recipe. Our, right. our flavor profile was black pepper sea salt with a little cayenne. So we get yep. so we we sent it to them and and they they sampled it and they're like wow we we'd like it to be a little hotter because that would taste it's so close so we added a little more cayenne into it and and everybody agreed that's the flavor from our <laughs> forefathers so that's we didn't so cool. have to venture too far off in order right. to uh, get a flavor profile that we all agreed on that we could name and put the brand name on to call it black powder. And the family itself, I mean, it, what's it like? Because is this something that there's actually, and I, I'm just as curious as, as our listeners, so are, you're dealing with, a, a, you know, a, a, the family members, if you will, the third, fourth, fifth generation, whatever it may be. Right. I mean, is this kind of like what, what you deal with when you're when you're trying to pedal to, you know, uh, Fred Astaire's estate kind of thing? I mean, tell us <laughs> what it's no. like to deal with the, Not that, with not the Hatfield that McCoys. These, they're they're very very genuine people. They're Big Jim and Big Jim McCoy and John Hatfield are kind of the leaders of the families right now, and they're the ones that are the face for the whiskey and for the the legendary family brand. And so every every time that I've come to them with an idea or with a with a with an ad or a promotion, they love it. They can't believe it's so cool. Nice. They are so excited as well. So they have been so much fun to work with too, and uh, having them much much involved in the front end. Not so much anymore because right now after after the debut, we've been getting so many calls from different distributors and retailers uh, that it, that they just like to hear an occasion. Oh, it's going to be in that store. Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> they heard it's going to be on a dot com. It's going to be on Amazon. They're, oh, great! Well, now we can see it on Amazon and send it to our friends. So, yes, they are, they now, the are Hatfield, very fun. The Hatfield people. McCoys were that was West Virginia, Kentucky, right? Tell me, that's do you, correct. Do you recall that? Okay, that is correct. the 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 families are in the West Virginia. Uh, the Hatfields are in West Virginia, and the McCoys are in Kentucky. And so wow. 
their his their history, you know, be, really began at around 1862 ish, and Netflix did and and the History Channel did a mini series about them and about yep. their their feud and battle and how that all all came about. But uh, you know, Devil Ann's Hatfield is and uh, Randall McCoy; those are kind of the the pictures on our bag on the very back of the bag. We put yep. a little history yep. about them, and uh, these are these are for real people. <laughs> with deep character and uh, rooted in uh, such Appalachian tradition. It's pretty incredible. And, you know what's, and I can totally see, uh, first I can hear the excitement, but number two, I can totally see this thing parlaying into so many other products. And they've been, the, the, the Hatfield McCoys have been good to work with, and you were saying how they're really, really solid people. Now the cool thing is, is all right, so what, what where do you go from here? Do you continue to add flavors? I mean, how do you protect yes. brand as you kind of get going? Well, we have this is you'll enjoy this. We have a sweet whiskey jerky coming out this October. Ooh. Right, <laughs> nice. using the Hatfield and McCoy whiskey and and our beef. We marinate wow. that. I mean, it is so it is. It's it's sweet, and we use that in the name because it's not spicy at all. It doesn't need to be right. because of the aroma right. in in the whiskey, the vanillas, the woods feel. Uh, there is some great taste that come out in the beef, and it is so good. And we were demoing that at the Sweets and Snacks Expo in Chicago, and it was probably the favorite uh, uh, flavor that wasn't that right. we hadn't produced yet on a mass scale. That's so cool. We are we are introducing the sweet whiskey beef in October at the NAC show, which is the National Association of Convenience Stores. That'll be in Atlanta this October. And then for bacon, we're releasing jalapeno perfecta. Ooh. That's our that's our bacon with the jalapeno and it is so good. It is a good breakfast treat. No kidding. You may not think about beef or bacon yeah. jerky for breakfast. But you try you try crumbling up a little bacon jerky for your omelet in the morning. It's amazing. So we are introducing the jalapeno perfecta, and it's warm. It is warm, and a lot of the convenience stores people will look for that because they want they want a little bit of a spicy jerky. And bacon is such a unique style. And with our proprietary ovens, you've you tasted the spicy revenge, so you know it has a little crispiness to it, and it's not chewy or soft. It has that crispy flavor, and it lasts. So for us in Hatfield and McCoy, it's introducing a couple more flavors, and we have eight flavors in store, and we'll release two SKUs at a time. No, the category you, is crowded. You, so. Well, yeah, but you know what? With the flavors that you're coming out with, I mean, holy mackerel. I mean, that's just going <laughs> to, especially with the whiskey. Are you kidding me, Michael? That's fantastic. No, I'm not kidding you. That sweet whiskey, I'm going to have to hook you up. <laughs> oh man! So what all goes in? What's involved with making this jerky? I mean, I would imagine you really kind of—I don't want to say "fight" is the wrong word—but you really have to think hard about: do we do we manufacture this in house? Do we do all this kind of stuff between the marinating and the cooking and the drying and the and the packaging, or do we farm it out? How do you guys kind of come to grips with, you know, how far down the road you come with that and to really control that? Because these are proprietary recipes and blends and things that you put up with. How do you kind of come to grips with whether you do that in-house or not? 
Well, we we do use a third party. That's just the only way to do it, and here's why. Right. For for jerky, you have to have USDA uh, representative on site during a cook. So every day there's a USDA representative at the plant. So for for us to jump into this category, we had we right. partnered with a third party and that had already had established the USDA or we're years or years away from getting started if we did it our own. So that's and that's a great, and that's kind of where I went with that, because that's such a smart reminder, because so many people think that they're going to jump in with both feet and be able to kind of do all that kind of stuff. You imagine how long that would have taken um, for you guys to kind of, you know, start with, you know, um, dehydrator machine number one um, mm-hmm. to do this. But that's where a lot of companies kind of, I don't say fail, but they kind of derail themselves, if you will. You guys were smart to kind of look ahead and say, look, we want to be in the jerky business. We don't necessarily want to be in the manufacturing business yet. Now, you guys may plan to do that down the road if you so choose. But for you guys to come up with this opportunity, you needed to kind of run. You couldn't, you know, plan. You needed to kind of jump on this opportunity. Fair statement. That's right. That's right. And it could take 10 years to get a USDA-approved yeah. uh, plant. So so we 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 bring the recipes or we, we work together with them on the recipes. The recipes are, are, are put together in the flavor profile. And actually, we have to get FDA approval on the recipes, specifically right. for the nutritional deck, the nutritional facts. So that we can tell uh, a customer, hey, there's 19 grams of protein in our beef jerky. There's 10 grams in our bacon, and there's no preservatives. Well, before you can say no preservatives, you have to make sure that the FDA proves that there are really no. You can't just put that on your packaging. That's right. So yes, with our with 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 our third party, it works out uh, that we could go really speed to market. with our with our bags, with our product, and with the retail. And retail wants to know you're USDA approved as well. They're not going to take that chance. Walmart, Target, no one's going to take that chance without a USDA approval, especially on food. Well, that's and that goes without saying as far as back to the, the discussion we were having about packaging. A lot of companies will try and, and they'll nickel and dime you. You know, you need to make sure that you're dealing with FDA-approved materials and, and, and non-leaching inks and water-based materials and nothing that's going to, you know, obviously affect the flavor uh, the, or the consistency, but you need everything that's going to be food-grade. And so many times out there, people will shortchange things. And, and, I mean, and props again to you guys for looking at this saying, look, it's a premium product. We're going to pay for it. We're going to make sure that it's done properly so we can stand behind and, and know that that consumer is going to get the flavor and consistency, the consistency that you intended from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the so let's stay a little expected. bit more. I want to really dig into a little bit about the Mandalay Bay Resort and how you guys, okay. how did you kind of land that whole thing? Now, that's another coup for you guys. Well, JR Global had some, they had already had some success inside yep. the MGM properties. And so, when and it was uh, strictly for like employee dining room, so it was behind right. the scenes for the resort. The right. resorts spend a lot of money for the employees to to have snacks and to eat and drink and uh, so so they already sort of had an in. And when I when I was brought on, I was brought on to do some promotion of private label with their label with the Mandalay Bay label, different designs and different ideas to fit into an e-tray. They were right. making a change. So 
that's something else that you have to be aware of is that when there is a change, that's the opportunity. Otherwise, right now, that E-Tray is locked in, and it's going to be locked in for quite a while to make a change. So we were right on the front end of a renovation of the Mandalay Bay with the right. E-Tray, which is basically electronic um, stand that holds cashews and Oreos and Pringles sure. and bacon jerky. Right. So they approved wow. it, We and we started with a 100-room sample test. And from that point on, it was a success. And for 37 weeks, we we in, we had installed 100 rooms each week for that 37 weeks. <laughs> so from July 2014 to February 15, we went 37 weeks of putting 100 bags in each room, and it quickly the second month it became the number two seller. I was going to ask you, that, what that was popular. it? When did you guys look at each other and go? We got ourselves a real hit here. I mean, at what point? I mean, I know you were tied with the name and the whole bit in that world, but when did you, Michael, at the, at, at the really feel in your gut? Was it was it a month or two? What was it that you went, man, we're on to something here? It, it was when when I got the Bartek report, and that, that's basically an electronic report of, of right. the sell-through of the item at Mandalay. And right. when they said, we need, we need to order another round of cases, a big, large order, I was thinking, well... Because you, you guys quickly renovated more rooms, or what? No, no, right, no, right, right, right. So well that we can't keep up with it. So that's when I hung up the phone and said, "This is a really good problem." All right. <laughs> that we and there's a lot of companies, enough. Michael. Uh, there's a lot of companies who can't handle that. Um, and you know, and you guys are prepared. You guys looked at it as an opportunity, not as a as a crutch, if you will. And you guys jumped on that and said, "Hey, we're going to make the best of this, and we're going to launch this thing nationally." Which is you're well on your way. I'll tell you something else, David. Is that I when I worked with stand up pouches and getting my 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 bags together, I went and asked them. I said. What if I bought ten thousand? No, no. What if I bought a hundred thousand? What right. would it? What would the cost be for me? And right. so I would get answers back. I I think I really had my assistant fooled. She was giving me like ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, and <laughs> so we were getting these round numbers, and she was turning them back into me. And I was thinking, look, if we go, if we go ahead and anticipate, right. sort of take a risk. Right. And by a hundred thousand bags, our price point is going to be this low. So we'll be making right. this much more profit. But if we bust it up, we've only lost this much, and we have sixty thousand bags left over. But it may not bust yeah, at all. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. And our and bottom line will be better because we bought in bulk. Fantastic. That's such a smart move. Let's stay with the marketing a little bit because I know that's a big thing here as we, as we kind of head down towards the the tail end of our show. And I want to make sure we we get into marketing and dealing with retailers and things like that. So the marketing you had mentioned, obviously the uh, snacks and sweets show that you were at, and you're doing another one in October. How important is that? And this even goes back to your days at Walmart. How important is that to to kind of do the trade show routines? Um, you know, some people, some guests we've had hate the trade shows. Some think they're uh, a dying breed. I'd love to get your take and what you think uh, as far as, you know, are trade shows effective? Are they too big and unwieldy? What are your thoughts, Michael? I would have never been able to reach the audience 
that I reached at the Chicago Expo without right. being there because there's nobody's going to take my call. I, I had I had made a few calls and I had my sales team making calls and one guy said, I'm getting 50 calls a week for jerky. What makes yours so unique? I mean, really, what makes it so unique? This is what he said to me. And I wow. went and told him all about Hatfield and McCoy. I told him that we're not a boutique brand. Our packaging is stellar. We're not just label and black bag. Yep. That we, yep. are, we are going to be a national brand. And so that was one guy. But that was me trying to make a sales call from my office or my sales team making sales calls. They were right. taking too many calls in that category. When I got to the show, I'm having people come up to me from Flying J and Pilot, from Maverick Ooh. and Quick Text, from Oh, Kroger, yeah, Meyer, never thought about Marsh. that. These people are now walking by and seeing me. I entered the, my product into an award. They have awards. They, I didn't even think I would win, but I, I actually won. And so that, that increased my traffic uh, immensely, I will say, because a lot of the peers, the judging panel, were people from Price Chopper and hy V and people from uh, Walmart. I had five people in one day from Walmart because they were together for the whole judging, and they came over to congratulate me. Wow. That was huge. I'm that's not good. Yeah, that's got to be Walmart. a huge thrill for you, too. Exactly. So that first day of a three-day show, could build a book of business from the amount of business cards I collected. Just one day. And I have to tell you, day two was even bigger than day one. So I don't even know how to put it into words how successful that show was for for us, except that we booked 2017 already. (laughs) That's fantastic, man. We we booked That is fantastic. And that's a good reminder for a lot of us. I mean, a lot of people, you know, poo-poo when they think that the uh, the shows are, um, you know, they're they're overrun, and, and maybe some of them get unwieldy. Um, however, um, there still are, and there still is good traction out there if you find that right show. And it sounds like you found that right show initially for you guys. That that who knows where you'd be without it, right. and you'll launch this thing to the stratosphere now because of it. And listen, I mean. They- you, if you you said earlier that some people think it's a dying breed. Well, the the booth next to us they actually benefited from from right. the traffic. Good point. Good <laughs> they point. were an international company, and I I I don't know how many people came just for them, but they benefited that we were there having so much traffic. So they may not have the same same report that I did. But I can tell you that the amount of people that were surrounding our booth and spilled into theirs, I mean, they would have had to have <laughs> taken advantage of Oh, them. they loved you guys. Yes, they did. <laughs> they loved you guys. Now, what other kind of marketing things do you have you been doing or do you plan to be doing here as you yes. really launch this national brand? Our, we are filming next month. We are filming for social media like social media, to share these commercials online. Nice. Uh, we do not have an ad budget that will allow us to purchase uh, air, national airtime air or sporting events sure. or anything like that. But everybody has access to Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Everybody does have a Twitter account, and you can send a video, and it can be 10 to 15 seconds long. And so we have designed a series of ads with two 10-year-olds dressed up like cowboys 
who are fighting over which jerky is better. Oh, <laughs> we man, decided, that's We decided not to reinvent Devil Hatfield himself and Randall McCoy. We decided to say, let's go young. No, no, let's go yeah. really young. So we have two little boys in beards and oversized chaps <laughs> that are that are having some great, great laughs uh, at the viewer's expense about who's got a better beef jerky or bacon jerky. Oh, that's fantastic. When so do you, you'll be seeing when do you feel the Q3. Okay, good. I was going to say, and, and, and the other the other thing that's interesting, and I, and I really want to kind of stay with this for a little bit more, is that marketing piece. Um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of people that, you know, I grew up on the on the East Coast. I'm familiar with the story, but how do you go about making sure that there's a there's a whole generation out there? You know, maybe our our 13 and 14 year old kids don't know of. Um, how do you go about kind of educating them? Because it was a brutal. Mm-hmm family war for a long time. Yeah. And I think that could really help uh, in your marketing efforts, which I know you guys have thought of. I'm just kind of curious of what you plan to do to make sure that people we, do understand. We have, and, and part of the history is, is there for people to, to look up themselves. A lot of the parents are going to be watching this and they're going to remember it and they might pass that story on to their generation. But, right. you know, for, for, for us, we, we have seen such great rec- name recognition that the story is already there in people's mind, and there's so many online links that people can look up. And people are doing sure. the McCoy Dinner Theater, and there's nice. different festivals. So in the South, in the 13 Appalachian states, it's still a viable, viable. Oh, sure is. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So let's look ahead now as we kind of wrap up wrap up the the, the show and looking ahead. Where do you see, you know, not just your, your jerky world, but Caribe in, in the next three to five years? Tell me, if you were looking out in that crystal ball, where do you, where do you guys see yourself? Well, I see that Caribe will be uh, one of the top three national brands for jerky producers. Nice. And, uh, I do, too. We, I still feel a very great love for Guatemala and, and international, uh, like, um, help in schools. Like right now, I help yep. a school down in uh, a town called Bajucalito. And I've been okay. there about 20 times. I've built a kitchen, some sidewalks, a playground. We've painted the school a number of times, and we take care of a feeding program every day for the kids. That's very cool. Uh, and so it, it would just be part of my mission to carry that on and to continue going down there. And with the busyness that we've had in the last like year, I've only had one trip, and I was going twice a year. Uh, since 2010, I've been going about twice a year, so and taking lots of people with me. So I would continue that. That would be my one thing that I would love to continue doing in the next three to five years. Is where's Michael? Well, he's either in Guatemala or in Fayetteville, yeah. Arkansas. <laughs> that is so cool. Hey, Michael. But before final question, one of the things I like to yeah. throw out there here: what are what's one of the things you're most proud of um, as you've kind of gone down this road? I mean, I I can feel it and your passion with your product and where your company is going and all those kind of things. But, but you, Michael, what are one of the things that you're most proud of? Well, I like to say that, uh, that I, that I give back and, yep. and, and, and you heard it from my Guatemala experience. I mean, that's, yep. I think if, if, if I were to pass on and people are going to remember me by that, I was a giver. I, I, I may overpay my staff and that's because I asked for them to do a lot. 
And I give away a lot of things, and that's because I see that people don't have a lot. So I want to be known that I I was a giver. Yep. And that's I can totally hear that in your voice. I know that's that's who you are as a person, and I've had the experience to kind of, um, you know, just kind of hear it and see it and feel it because that, that's who you are, man, and I'm really proud of you. And I I hope you'll come back and kind of share with us as you continue on this journey of, of, um, yeah. of building this national brand. I really want, and I know our, our listeners do, want to learn more about you guys and where you're headed. Fair? Yes, absolutely. Folks, that's all the time we have. Thanks to my producer, Jamie Berling, our executive producer, Winston Winnie-Price, back at Voice America, and you for listening. Our show airs Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Family of Networks. Until next time, remember, packaging is the voice of your brand. It's the voice. What is your packaging saying about your brand? Talk to everyone next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.